welcome back to the Why Hockey Periodical Podcast, the final of the season preview editions. I am one of your hosts, Matt Lister's daughter. You have heard my voice in the last couple of shows. But now, we bring back the man who started Why Hockey, the reason why I am here, and a good friend of mine, Mr. Thomas Grokowski. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm very excited. I'm cautiously optimistic, and I'm just really ready to get on with it. Uh, I know we're, what, uh, three days, four days away for some teams, but it's killing me. It's the most Let's excited go. I have Let's to go. say you've ever been coming into any season that we've been doing these podcasts together. We've been doing them for a while. Um, some of the ones you have heard us do in the past, if you are a longer-term listener of Y Hockey, there's a lot of couching, I think is the best word we can say, guesses, uh, with one of the teams that Y Hockey likes. Uh, that's not going to necessarily be the case this year. No, no. You look up and down the lineup. I mean, the, Jameson always tweets out the, the lineup, and I'm looking at what what they're going with right now, and uh, it, it's by far the best Panthers team you ever imagined, uh, uh, you know, r- realistically. And, I, you know, you still have Denisenko, you still have Hepo Niemi, you still have Noel, in the AHL that can come up. You still have Yo Levy, who we haven't even seen what he can be, and we'll get on to the to him later. Uh, you know, they have Ludwig, they have um, you know, some good players. Uh, you know, and you have you have Gibson and who surprised not so much surprised. I, I think he's, you know, a capable third third string goalie, but uh, I, I was happy to see him really step up and take take the opportunity, and uh, it's why he, he's here. And, and you know he got to 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 wait till the I guess the big waiver day where everybody kind of passes through. Well, um, not everyone. And <laughs> well, yeah, Tampa always loses somebody, right? Um, I mean, sometimes when you're good, you have to lose players for free, and it sucks. Uh, we will talk about all of that. Uh, I just want to say, of course, if you want yeah. to listen back to the Greg Wyshynski and George Richards interviews, please go do that. They're on the Y Hockey uh, Twitter page, Podbean, all the places where you can listen to your podcast. You can find them there. Uh, those are still evergreen. Maybe a few changes here or there to what we suspected. Uh, but you can go back and listen to them. And, of course, just happy that all of you, if you are new to this podcast, we would like to say on behalf of those of us who do Y Hockey, which is me and Tommy, Tommy's friend Matt O'Brien, and all the people who have uh, – helped us do this fun, ridiculous show over the years, you have many hockey podcasts to choose. There are, in fact, more hockey podcasts on the Internet now than people that live on planet Earth, and so we're happy you've chosen this one. You know, somebody made the joke, as there are now more hockey podcasts than ever, that's like there's more podcasts in the, about the NHL than players in the NHL, and I actually think that's true <laughs> based on uh, the numbers that are going on. And it's like there's a lot of good ones, but I just I don't have enough time in my life to listen to all of them. So we have to be judicious. With- and with legalized with legalized betting, uh, I'm not sure what's going to be you know higher number the sports podcast or the true con- tri- oh my god true crime podcast. Well, if I could I mean, speak, that'd be that'd be a better joke. But it's it's fine because somebody in MLS got caught betting on MLS games, <laughs> which was not good. Huh. Well, I'll make my comment here is that betting on the NHL while crazy is at least one step above betting on MLS which I don't know why anybody would do that because Major League Soccer is 
a pinball machine. Like you, you're not going to have any clue of what you're going to get any weekend. So why you bet on MLS? I never know. But again, betting on <laughs> hockey only is also only if you have an in with the refs. That's the only way to do no, it. No, that was mm-hmm. Italian soccer. That was Italian soccer. I'm just saying, there's a model. There's an Italian soccer. It's a different sport entirely. And, uh, yeah, it's Italy. These things happen in Italy. Uh, part of uh, the why hockey experience is not separate from the that. Good but uh, let's, let's Italy. focus on the genuine excitement I think we both have for the main team we cover here, which is the Florida Panthers. And... This isn't even just talking about the Barkov contract, which we will get to. This is a genuinely exciting time to be a fan of one of the most moribund franchises in professional sports. And I saw a tweet, maybe it was a couple weeks ago, I think it was the anniversary of Vinny Viola and Doug Sifu closing on buying the team. And we've been very critical of them in the past when they made bad decisions, and they have made some very bad decisions. And... I will say this here, for all that we have criticized them, it does genuinely seem like they learned some lessons from that, because you can remember when we were doing the Y Hockey shows after the bubble and after Dale Talon was let go, we were genuinely a little, I'd say concerned, but also curious as to where they were going to go in the general manager search. And you get that search right, there's no telling what kind of things could happen for your franchise, and if you get it wrong, you're the Buffalo Sabres. So the fact that they hired Bill Zito, who was one of the most, you know, talked about possible GM candidates in the league, they got him to come to Florida, gave him the tools he needed to succeed, and he has now built a team in a year that turned the most cynical fan base in all of hockey. I don't care about the Sabres and the Oilers. Panthers fans are even more cynical than that, and they have even more reasons to be with 26 years without winning a series. It turned him into the most optimistic fans in the league overnight, and... That is an incredible accomplishment, and it is why Bill Zito probably should have won GM of the year last year, because he turned an entire fan base 360 degrees around. I can't believe he did that in one year. And this offseason, and now with a new eight-year deal for the captain of the team, whose number is going to end up being retired, before he stops playing, I would imagine, it is amazing to think about how this franchise, from the early Y hockey days to now, has done such a complete change in direction it's kind of amazing yeah i mean I, at this point it's kind of like zero's putting us out of business because you know it, we're going to be pretty boring if all we're doing is just uh you know sitting here and and praising or or you know just kind of applauding and, and cheering on everything uh, giving that you know we've made our name critiquing and uh uh, you know, second guessing or, you know, being, being <laughs> micromanaging, yeah, micromanaging everything, uh, so to speak. Uh, but, so but I also it's, think it's going to be just fun genuinely to not have to come into a podcast and vent, you know, and say, we right, didn't yeah. like this. This made no sense. What are they doing? Yeah, or, it's... or squandered opportunities or, I mean, I mean, oh God, hopefully, hopefully not. We're, you know, in three weeks, we're not up here you know, trying, trying to figure out how we make up, you know, the six points we dropped or something like that, knock on wood. But, um, I don't really foresee it. Everything kind of feels like you, you know, it feels like you're in a nice relaxing boat ride. The tide, you know, is nice and easy. It's pulling you in the right direction and everything's kind of going, going well. Uh, like I was alluding to before, Barkov is is signed. You know, you don't have to really worry about that. Huberto's 
you don't have to worry about right now. They can't do anything till July 1st. The best thing they can do is put their heads down and win right now. So they'll just go and do that. And, you know, you're looking up and down the lineup. You're looking at the fourth line. It's Thornton, Lostranen, and Duclair. And I'm I, I'm very happy. That's I mean, a fourth line. That's a fourth you, line for the Florida you have, Panthers. You have Nudavara and Uolevi, you know, competing for, you know, the third pair lefty spot. Uh, you know, I, I'm... We'll see how Gudis does. I, I think you know he's a little turnover heavy and, and a little uh, bull in a china shop sometimes, where you have to massage him and, and relax uh, his time at, at points in the season and stuff. Uh, the more time he's on the ice, the the more likely it is to really bite you. Uh, and you know we'll see how Montour does again. I'm cautiously optimistic with him, but. You know, they brought in your Olivi, and the, one of the first things I said to you in our text was kind of how I see, you know, a similar profile in Montour. And if you really want to go to Bennett um, and, and some of the other people, uh, you know, Wenberg that Zito has brought in, where the athletic profile is really there, they're really intelligent. Uh, they're, if you look at some of their draft profiles and things like that, they're described as steady guys that, you know, have attention to detail and things like that. But, you know, for whatever reason, they're just not measured enough. They don't have that balance. They don't have, you know, I don't want to say professionalism, but the maturity to their their game where, um, you know, it's well-rounded enough that they can focus on, you know, the, the habits in the gym and all this other stuff that, you know, even takes them to a, another level coming into Florida, you know, it, it seems that they have that machine worked out. And, and, you know, Jay Fresh tweeted that, you know, if he was a young player with pedigree who was kind of struggling, the best news he could hear is that he was claimed by the Florida Panthers or traded to the Florida Panthers or something, you know, that that's, you know, we've seen it with Forsling, you know, I, I don't know if it'll be as immediate with Forsling as it was with Forsling with Yo Levy, but I think given time, and allowed to gel with this team and get, you know, in the shape with this this team and the schemes and, and get used to Quinville and stuff and and know that he's, you know, doesn't have to live up to that fifth overall um, spot in Florida. It's gonna it's gonna pay off long term. And, you know, a left handed athletic, you know, he skates as almost as well as Forsling or, or you know, just as well. So it's gonna it's gonna be great. Uh, you know, having a bunch of defensemen who are, you know, over six foot, uh, skate really well, have, you know, good hands and, and pass pass well and, and think the game well never hurts. Never hurts. And I think, again, this trade is very much emblematic of the current era of Florida Panthers because we could have talked on this podcast for years about trading for these kinds of players and giving them a shot. And I don't yeah. think the Dale Talon era Panthers were ever capable of making those kinds of players into what we saw last year when almost all of them worked out. I mean, sure, Noah Juleson's now back with, you know, well, where he grew up, and it didn't work out with him, and it didn't work out with Hennis Rosa, and some of those players are not going to work out, but... I wouldn't I wouldn't say that Juleson didn't work out. I would say Juleson was hurt around the trade deadline, and they had to get another right-handed D. They brought in Montour, and they liked that fit. And they liked it enough that Juleson then became an odd man out. 
uh, when he was healthy again. But in preseason, I mean, he looked like an NHLer, you know, to the point that, you know, I, you know, it's not that I was sad to see him go or anything, but, you know, I was like, oh, I, you know, I really wanted Jolson on the team. If there was a way to keep him, I would have liked to do it, but I wouldn't have, you know, not taken this trade. So, um, at the same time, it's it's kind of good for but, Florida. But I think that when we get to just the whole idea of we're going to find these players, we're going to identify them through our scouting, through our analytics, through the people that we know, and they're going to get those players, and they're going to put them in a position to succeed. That is a really hard thing to do. It's really hard to do it multiple times, and the Panthers did it five or six times last year. And with Yuya Levy... There's a bunch of reasons why you would think this could work out for him. First of all, being in Vancouver sucked for him. It never worked out. They didn't develop him properly. And a change of scenery is necessary. So he could have gone anywhere. And you might see what we call a dead cat bounce, where he would have played better just because he's out of the place where he had been, you know, stuck. It didn't work for him there. But you go to Florida, you know you're going to be developed. And you know there's going to be attention to detail. Because they wouldn't have acquired you if that wasn't what they planned on doing. There's also the aspect, not only can Joel Quenville help develop defensemen, we've seen that multiple times with the Panthers, that almost every defenseman that has come here has gotten better in some appreciable way. There's also what the Panthers do is they acquire players to fit roles and to fit specific things they want their players to do. It was absolutely the case with, of Duclair and Verhage and Forsling. It was the case with Bennett. It's hopefully the case with Reinhardt. And with Yuli Levy, it's, again, left shot D, has the athletic profile, has some tools. He has some things he absolutely needs to work on. But he's going to have no pressure because now he's in Florida and he's in a quote-unquote sheltered role. He is going to be around a bunch of Finns, which is going to be very helpful. We always love it when the Finnish quotient in the Florida Panthers organization goes up and it has gone up again. And there's also a Finnish coach, too. So... It's just one of those things that's emblematic of what the current Florida Panthers are. And if this is your brand, it's a pretty good brand to have. And they have very much already turned this into their brand. And what did it cost? A likable but replaceable 13th forward and a likable but replaceable tweener defender. You know, it's not... If it doesn't work out, it's not like, oh, man, they shouldn't have made that trade. I can't imagine Jolson or uh, Lamico playing well enough that it really makes us regret this this trade because, you know, the, the values at the end of the day, at the time of the trade, is always there. You can't go back and get rid of, you know, the upshot of Yol Avery working out, filling that hole on left side D that Florida needed. Uh, you know, because we were going and saying in the camp that maybe Vertrano would be sacrificed because he always seems to have good camps and preseasons that he would, you know, attract some uh, interest and they could move him out and get a left-handed shot that had upshot at being a top four defender. And I think they did that. And to be able to do it, giving up, you know, again, two players I liked, Lamico and Juleson, it's um, pretty, pretty good work. It's great scouting. It's great looking around the league. It's a great process. And yeah. I, I think I want to mention this amazing piece by Norm Pincotti in The Ringer. This was about the NFL. It was written about a month ago. If you go look it up on The Ringer, you could find it. Oh, uh, but football. it was about uh, beautiful sport. The, the beautiful NFL, game football. 
Yeah, well, not if you root for a team coached by Urban Meyer. It's um, definitely. I'm not. being I'm being sarcastic. Well, I know that's why I, I mentioned Urban Meyer. Think, yeah, notoriously. Well, you you think don't want to hear me so. talk about Urban Meyer right now. Um, he's but, a great ambassador for the sport, I think. And the anti Ted Lasso, as somebody put it yesterday, and I don't watch Ted Lasso, but even I could get that reference. Um, but on this for the Panthers, bringing it back to this piece that Norm Percotti wrote, it was about how maybe the biggest gap in the NFL front offices currently is empathy. Just the ability to communicate and build an organizational structure where you can communicate easily between people, between roles, and how that's how front offices fail. And they use the Philadelphia Eagles front office as an example of that, which makes perfect sense if you know why recent Philadelphia Eagles teams have sucked. Right. It's all because there's a lack of ability to talk, a communication. There's walls broken down. It's, it feels like everybody's competing. It's clicks. Right. And if that's mainly the familiar, walls being the walls being broken down, I think is specifically for the Panthers. Well, what the issue has been in the past is there's been division uh, inside. If Florida. you have followed the Florida Panthers for long enough, you know what we're referring to. And right now, I think that's the biggest strength of Bill Zito is the ability to blend all of these things together, whether it be the traditional hockey scouting, whether it be analytics, whether it be communication skills, and all that really is emblematic or just of different, that. Just different people, just different through the different levels, you know, whether they're, you know, on the bench, whether they're, you know, in the front office or hockey ops or, and varying degrees within those silos and stuff, you know, it, I, I think that there is a general sense that everybody has value and is pulling in the same direction uh, or, you know, and I say that because we don't find out about things until the very last minute when they want us to know. And in the past, there used to be, you know, you used to get information from certain sources, you know, leaked a couple of days in advance or, you know, what we would call piloted um, in the media a couple of days ahead. And, you know, there was just, always, it wasn't a, tightly run ship in that way and, and now you can kind of I, I think that's the one sign that you know it's much different that there's a lot more uh oh like you said open communication simply put when everybody's in the same boat and they're all pulling and rowing in the same direction it's pretty obvious oh. that it's a clean front office it's everybody's on the same page and the factionalism that existed in the past which is very emblematic of where certain things leaked You'll know what you're referring to, what we're referring to if you followed this team for long enough. Um, but the other thing that I think just comes with communication, and we talked about it earlier, was where did they announce the Barkov contract? They didn't do it at a press conference at the arena. They didn't do it at the practice facility. They did it with oh, a nice you mean, vista you mean the, of the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, I mean, those big red banners, those big, long party room tables and the hotel conference room tables uh and <laughs> behind you know with the big red banner behind them were were uh, so drab and now like you said you have the atlantic ocean in the background you have you know what some you know it's they're at a hotel roof bar they're getting people out they're putting an event and it's it's 
Pat Riley asked. I said it on the last right, it's show we did destination, together. It's destination recruiting, and it's being you're using you're using internal signings, internal extensions, and re-signings as a recruiting opportunity, and that is how you build a dynasty. That's how you get relationships with agents. You know, beyond Zito being an agent, that's how you you know have more interest in undrafted free agents and things like that um and it 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 shows up in the results on the ice i think and it shows up with joe thornton and shows up with you know being able to turn guys careers around and hopefully do more of the same it it also shows when it's a team that realizes it's in south florida and exploits it because i think that's one thing nhl teams don't do a particularly good job of which is we are in a certain market. Why don't we exploit that for everything that it's worth? I think Vegas was the first team to really kind of do it in a, you know, standout kind of way. Like, yeah, teams would say, hey, we're in New York, we're in wherever. We've seen it at times in the past, but not in this very front and center way that I think other leagues have been willing to embrace, right? Vegas has definitely done it. Right. They had to do it because that's their brand. But, you know, I think now Bill Zito has said, wait a minute, we are based in South Florida. It's not Miami, but it doesn't really matter. It's South Florida. It's beautiful all the time. We have the Atlantic Ocean two miles away from the practice facility. We have to use that to our advantage because we know that you can get players down here with nice, friendly contract offers and taxes and what have you. But why don't we just sell this, this, which is what, you know, he is doing and everything is conscious like there is or just everything with the decisions i I would i would imagine you know it's also a a great opportunity to drive revenue you know these events these announcements and stuff these are sponsorship partnership opportunities with local businesses um and you know that spills over into in arena advertising promotions etc and things like that so it, it on all fronts, it's you know signs of the Florida Panthers doing what every big market or big NHL team does, and it's about time because Fort Lauderdale is that you know Fort Lauderdale Miami is that TV market that they need to tap into and and leverage because if you don't that it that then the rumors of going back to Quebec will, will come you know. That I I don't want to hear that stuff anymore, and we haven't heard that in you know in sincerity in a while because the product on the ice is good, you know the owners are committing to the business. I mean, you look at the the deal Barkov signed, which no one has a problem with. Uh, I, I'm just going to answer for you, uh, Matt. I hope you don't. Well, mind. No, you're you're, you're um, correct. You're correct. Uh, but it is a lot of bonus money. And that is, you know, on a specific date, these owners need to cut a check for a lot of money. And if they want to keep Huberto, they're probably going to have to model it after Zabinajad's contract, which is like 8.5 for eight years. And it's largely the same sort of deal of bonus heavy, um, you know, salary structure. And, you know, that's something that this ownership is, you know, raising their hand and and saying we are willing to do if we win, you know, we're willing to commit to the to Barkov's window, uh, which is now nine more years. 
So that's a pretty big window and a lot of money that they're committing the shelling out. So it, it's it's a it's it's great and it's great that you know there there's going to be a real nice practice arena in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I think a place that's going to be better to keep star players and have them raise families and stuff and not have to travel all the way out to Broward County. Well, I don't know where the, County, County, is, where the where the old whatever. Iceplex was. Yeah, is. they seem like different worlds to me. I don't they, know. They are um, they are whatever. kind of different worlds, I will say. Um, and those I just of you who are listening in South Florida are the... yelling at us right now, going, "Yes, yes, we know it was in Coral. Yes, we get it. We got yeah, it. Yeah, thank you very I, much. I focus on the ice. That's that's all that matters. You do. Um, uh, and and this contract for Barkov, we we knew it was going to get done. I was a little surprised it took as long as it did. Then we're recording with George Richards on a Wednesday, and then like two days later they announced it. You know, we were hearing the rumors but, that it was getting closer to being done, and then they got it done. But as you said, I think notable not that it was done, but it was it was very bonus heavy. It seemed like a deal that everybody's happy with. Nobody seems to be like you could talk to agents, and the agents are like that's pretty good for both sides and the general managers or the front office people. I was reading Pierre LeBron's piece on the Athletic about this, and they're like, this seems like one of the rare deals where everybody's happy. You know, there could have been more leverage yeah. from Barkoff, but he always wanted to be here to say to the agents, get it done. And they worked it out and they they found the solution that worked. And when you're in a position that the Panthers are in, you can see any number of contract situations that are negotiated around the league in recent years. The teams that have the issues are the ones where these negotiations grind out a lot more than they should. And you can tell the inflection points and the friction points in these negotiations with Barkov. Again, yeah. you didn't hear any leaks. It was all, they're working on it. They're going to get it done. It might be a little slower, but they're going to get it done. And they did, you know, you were mentioning it earlier, how you hear things when you, when they want you to hear things. And again, there were a lot of leaks. It was a good process and it got the deal done. And you, and you said to me, and I kind of agree with it. Like it's the second best day in franchise history behind when they won game seven in 96, because they kept the guy they needed to keep for his entire career. He is not going to leave it, at any point. It's the key to it's the key to everything. It's the key to you know it it right now they can go out to potential sponsors and partners and things like that when they're selling tickets. They can say you know Barkov's going to be here. We can we're building around Barkov. Other players are going to want to be here. It's now you have Barkov, you have Ekblad, you have Knight. You know, you, you you're hoping that you can lock in Huberto. You you know that you have Bennett, Reinhardt, and Duclair and Verhage and Forsling and a lot and Weegar and all these guys lined up as well. That's consistency. That's con continuity. That's something to sell. That's you know something that Florida hasn't had. And when they did have it for a few years under Dale Talon, it was always less than version. Like it, they were always, I don't want to call them lemons, but like, you know, it was I, four I years of Panthers, two Sean Bergenheim. And, you know, well, you're right. Yeah. I described them in the last two times they won, not 2021, but the two times they won in 2012 and 2016 is happy accidents, you know? Yeah. And they were because in 2012, it was a bunch of loser points and the entire Southeast division decided they didn't want to win that year. And then what happened in 2016 the entire uh, Atlantic Division decided it didn't want to win. And what happened? The Panthers won. They lost in the playoffs, and then they threw it away. That's what happened. 
and now this feels like a team that's not an accident. This was built with a purpose. It was built with a plan. And now here we are, right. where you're talking about the Panthers as a top six, seven-ish team yeah. in the league. And, and we're and we're talking about lit. We're talking about going into the year where every single spot really is some somebody has to play for. You know, other than you know, like you. Know, Barkov, his first line center, but obviously he's going to play to it. You know that's kind of what he does. But you know Bobrovsky has to play for every start now, really. You know Thornton is playing for his spot. Lundell is playing for his spot. Denisenko isn't here. You know, and and no one's really. I haven't heard anyone say why isn't Denisenko here? Denisenko should be given a shot, and it's because the risk and reward of it doesn't make sense because they can get what they can get from, you know, Denisenko from other players without risking Denisenko's development if it doesn't work out. So, you know, Vertrano's come in and, you know, I was, we were, there was a lot of people like myself who was talking about Vertrano as a trade ship this year. And he's, he's shooting the puck really well. He's, gelling with a lot of players on the ice you know there's hornquist who still has minutes but you know him and duclair are going to be fighting for minutes in the bottom six not the top six they're gonna be fighting for minutes in the bottom six and those are players who routinely would have been gifted every opportunity for season upon season upon season despite any bad results and it's you know it's nice to have a coach quenville who is hopefully going to hold that line uh, with these players uh, and has a reputation for doing that. Uh, so I, I'm really excited because the sky's the limit, and I hate saying those cliches and stuff, but it's it's going to be fun. And, you know... It is. I, I, and I'm not... And, you know, it, it's going to be about process out out the gate more so than results obviously they have to pick up points you know in, in all their games and it's about setting themselves up for a good playoff seed and so they can have a good run in the playoffs and the expectations are that they have a long run in the playoffs and if they aren't there there some there does need to be accountability for that uh but if reinhardt doesn't starts scoring right away and it takes him a while to find his shooting percentage if you know Uolevi doesn't get in a lot of game action and you know they do play Connaughton for a bit I, I'm not gonna rush into to yelling I mean we'll see how how much I keep with keep you up I can with never that, make but, promises but you know it, this year it feels like you know they finally have the team and the depth to run the hot hands to let competition decide certain roles to think, you know, long-term and rotate guys in and out. And, you know, it's okay that Lomberg is going to get some time because with this roster, that's all he's going to get. He's not really going to be keeping out, you know, a handful of lost train in Thornton Duclair for multiple games. It's just not really going to happen unless there's an injury or something. So, you know, there's not that anxious anxious worry or like oh man this could kind of the chips are the cards are there you know they have 
the personnel to run the different schemes on the ice to to have the different matchups and you know to to leave a little bit off uh, certain nights um, because it's, it's fascinating uh, because right you can set this team and forget it you know it just it plays itself at a point right right you set the lineup yeah. the players will do what they do they have their skill sets yeah have so their, right yeah it's and it's so so what it comes down to is after the first 20 25 games you know of the season is barkov you know taking over the team and leading this team and you know is he firing on all cylinders is Ekblad and Uyghur, are they you know playing first pair quality even if they're on different pairs you know are they leading from the back end do we have a goalie going? Is Quinville moving guys and stuff? You know, after a while, it's, you know, are they fulfilling their and executing their, their expected roles? Uh, and, you know, it's going to be a while before we can really make those judgments. But uh, I, I really don't see, you know, a lot of people letting us down. I, I just don't. I think, you know, while we might not see Lundell winning the Rookie of the Year or anything, I think we'll see a respectable rookie campaign where he pulls his weight. Uh, and, you know, he's not a liability on the ice. Well, here's what I find so interesting about this team is in so many ways, the word I'm going to use here, it's a football term, and some people might like it, is multiple. As in, they have so many different looks that they can throw at you, and they might not even use half of them this season because they don't need to because in the past and i mentioned it that they were a team that you put barkoff and Uberto together whoever was on that line would score it was probably Evgeny danoff but it could have been anybody and then the rest of the lineup was just a bunch of questions the depth was never there and barkoff and Uberto are amazing but they had to do everything on their own now putting barkoff and Uberto together is something that they can do but it doesn't feel like something that they need to do. It doesn't even feel like something that they want to do because they don't have to. And that is an incredible change in this franchise in just a couple of years because that was the only thing they had. And now it's right. one of five or six things they have. And I also yeah. mentioned this too, is they don't need to run the five forward power play they did at times against the Lightning, but they can if they want to. And if they want to put five do. forwards out there, they can do it. And I wouldn't be as surprised at all if they do. They could do they could do five forwards probably on two power play units, but you know that's, they, they could. But and I, also like you would want Sam Reinhardt, guys and here's another one: Sam Reinhardt starting as a top line winger. He could be a center if they need him to be. You know, Anton yeah. Lindell is starting as a center, but he could be a winger if they need him to be. You know, there's Joe Thornton who could play at center if they need him to be. You know, they have the ability to break up Uyghur and Ekblad to balance out the pairs if they need to. As of the way we are recording this right now, on Monday afternoon before the first game, they're not doing some of those things, but they can if they want to. And if they're as good as we think they are, and I, there are many reasons to think that that's going to be the case, Joel Quenville can figure these things out as it goes along. He doesn't have to have the answers right now. And as long as he has the answers by May, when the playoffs start, then... This team's going to be in pretty good shape. And my hope for this season is, and here's something else that I find very interesting about this particular group of Panthers. At this moment, 
the NHL is going to the Olympics. Could change, but at this moment, the NHL is going to the Olympics. Right now, on this group, for how good it is, there are only three surefire Olympians on there. Barkov, Huberdeau, and Ekblad. That's it. There might be others. Maybe Lundell gets in if he has, you know, an amazing season. Maybe it's Spencer Knight if he gets red hot, but even then, I'm not even sure that's going to happen. This is a team with three Olympians, and the best teams Gutis in the league have might... more, than, than more than three. Yeah, good. I think a guy like Gudis might get in. He but, could get uh, in too. I mean, there's a good there's a good shout for that. But, but yeah, I hear you. And listen, I I'm 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 torn because this is the one year. Like I like I'm for players' rights and players should get to decide. You know what they do and everything. Yada yada yada. But like, come on, this is the one year where everything should be about Stanley Cup or bust. Um. You know, I think as far as players, that should be their focus. And I wouldn't want if last time Barkov went to the Olympics, he got hurt. It, or the yes, first time he went to the Olympics. I don't know if that was the last time. It I mean, was the last time because the last time there were Olympic games, yeah. we played right through it. <laughs> right. Remember, so he was eighteen I, when he went to the that twenty fourteen Sochi. I, I, I know. I I understand, but like I'm just saying. If we, you know, we already had to go go into a playoffs where we probably should have, we were hoping to pick up a playoff series win, and we went down a man with Ekblad because of an injury. I don't want to go back into the playoffs down a man on an injury, especially if it happens at, like, the Olympics. So I would say, I would definitely be urging players to say, thank you, but no thank you, like... I know Barkov was picked like to do like the drug test or whatever the whatever the stupid thing is that they named like the three players from each team and they have to do it for like the some sort of thing or whatever. But uh, I I want Barkov to be like, no, I'm not going. Well, like, this I wish is way that was too important. Case, but it's not. But I will I know, say this. I know, but I, I just needed to get it out because well, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I completely it's, understand your perspective. I do. And there are probably like, a bunch of people in the league who agree with you. Next year, you, you know, everything changes with the with the new cap hit, depending on what they can and can't do with Bobrovsky's cap hit and, and all the other stuff. So it's like what, you know, you don't know what changes. You don't know what luck you're going to have. Every year has to be the year until they get the cup. And, you're right. uh, you know, I, I just hope that say... – and again, I'm not saying that's not their focus or – he can't go to the Olympics and still have that focus and all that stuff. I, I'm just, you know, wish fulfillment. Blah blah blah. Some of it is wish fulfillment, but here's the thing that it's, we now have in the modern NHL. It's a podcast of wish fulfillment. It friend. is. That's kind of what this has been for years, and now it's kind of seeing our wishes fulfilled. Uh, so we have to get that in. But I want to add this: if the Panthers are as good as we think they are, and again, there's very little reason to believe they won't be other than my deep cynicism about teams I follow. <laughs> if the Panthers are as good as we think they are, there can be a point come March and April where if they're as good as they think they are, they might be able to tell some of the stars, hey, we're playing a bad team. We can beat them without you. Let's have a little uh, load management. Let's have a night off. And that's kind of what my hope is. You know, by the end of the season... Maybe they are so good. They're going to be competing with the top three teams in the Atlantic for spots. I understand that. But if you're playing a bad team, like 
how about this? They go on their California road trip in March. All three California teams are likely to be some varying level of not good. If they are in the position I think they are, I would hope that they can say to one of them, or maybe two, hey, we are going to give you the night off. We need to save your body for the playoffs. We're playing a bad team. We can afford it. Now, not like you're going to scratch them against Toronto or Tampa, but if you're playing Anaheim or you're playing Detroit or Buffalo or teams that are bad come the stretch run of the season, hopefully there might be a, a little way of saying, hey, load management. Hey, Sasha, take the night off. We'll give you a bit of a break. Every game that you don't play is a game we have you more ready for for the playoffs when we need you at you know your tip-top best. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I hope it might because yeah. if – I mean, I hope it. I hope that's what they do with you know Eklad and Uyghur. I hope that's what they do with a lot of their players, and I think it behooves them to do it just in case there are injuries. And like we said, they have to they have to run different schemes against different teams, and there's good ways of practicing that, and that's in gameplay. You know, being forced to you know, run Verhage under center or Reinhardt under center in a top six matchup where, you know, you don't really necessarily need the two points or the two points are easier to get. Yeah, and I think that it is absolutely something that they can <clears throat> quite easily because even if Barkov's out for a game against the Anaheim Ducks, they're probably good enough to beat them with that. And we saw <laughs> last year... How, how good they were even without Ekblad. And if you had told me prior to the season that they were going to look that way without Aaron Ekblad, I would have been like, you're nuts. You're totally insane. And the good news is, is that I actually think that even if they have some guys out for load management or, God forbid, injuries, that they have enough depth to overcome it. Because also we forget. Let's go look at some players that are injured right now. Mason Marchment, who everybody loved, and you know we had some annoyance with where he was, he's banged up right now but could easily be in this lineup somewhere. And you wouldn't go, wow, uh, he's not good enough, because he is good enough. He can play in this lineup somewhere. Max Mammon, who they brought back, is a perfectly capable bottom six NHLer and has good talent, and, you know, the Panthers know him. He's not in this lineup. He's hurt, but he's also not in this lineup. Like, that's what we were talking about with just the depth. And that's not including Denisenko and Heponiemi. And even in the AHL now, you're talking about... Kierstead, who got decent looks last year, he's fine. And Kevin Connaughton, we know what he is, but he's solid and serviceable. In the past, those players had to play in roles they did not need to play in because it was the Florida Panthers and didn't have depth. That's the greatest strength of this team. Other than maybe, you know, then the fact that they've got the top-end talent is great, but the depth is just so good. It is it's the deepest forward group the Panthers have ever had. And arguably, it's the deepest group of defensemen they've ever had. And they could still improve on it, too, defensively. They could still add somebody. And that's even with adding Ole Ulyulevi, who, again, is not in the lineup right now because of customs and things of that nature. But, like, that's, that's again, it took a year. And they built this team up from one that was extremely top-heavy to one that now is quite possibly the deepest top-to-bottom in the league. Because even the best teams have depth issues. That's the cap. And the Panthers... Maybe it's a little bit of, again, fortunate circumstances or good roster building, but they have the depth now. They can afford a loss or two, you know? And it's really fun to see that. It's like you go and you look at that lineup and like, oh, right, Mason Marchment's not here. That's It's amazing to think that, you know, that's how we as 
people who watch the Four Panthers can think now. It's crazy. I want to talk about the goaltending because we need to talk about it. And it's been a topic of discussion when people talk about the Panthers. Um, you heard George Richards say on our show that inside the Panthers, they're expecting better from Bobrovsky. And I think people are colored by the contract, which we've talked about, and the first year, which was a major struggle. And we know that. Last year, he was, I think the word would be fine, would be the way I'd use He was definitely better than he was the year prior. He wasn't great, but he was fine. I think if you get him at slightly above league average goaltender, I understand the contract. You have to forget it exists right now. And you get that for about 50 to 55 games, maybe a little bit more, give or take. You know, the Panthers are going to be all right. And it's not that I want them to do this every night, but if Sergei Bobrovsky is a stinker and he will, don't you have faith that the Panthers could outscore their own issues if Bobrovsky has a stinker? Like, if he gives up five one night, I have every confidence the Panthers could score six. And I've never been able to say that before about the Florida Panthers. And I think that, too, adds dimensions to what this team is capable of. And uh, I think that that's... It's not something you want to see happen, but I think Sergei Bobrovsky this year, if he's slightly better than he was last year, the Panthers are probably in good shape. Bobrovsky wasn't bad last year. Uh, he was definitely average starter as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, obviously they need better than that. Obviously that you have to forget about the contract. I saw him in the preseason. He looked better than last year to me regular season Bob last year and you know he's his gloves higher that's what you want to see when his glove drops low that's when his confidence low that's when you know he makes himself a little smaller uh his chest is down instead of up and, and flat and it you know it takes up less space um you know and he's a little more anchored in his net when his gloves higher um and I think it's just you know that's the telltale sign for me and and I saw that you know, in the preseason. So also, he hit, he I'm hit hoping for to a child, which is great news. Yeah, obviously, yeah. And, dad's strength is going to carry him out of this slump. I'll, I'll, I'm fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. But whatever also, it I takes. Think, you know, we I talked about it before, and I will still say it that pulling Bobrovsky after game one was the reason, not the reason why they lost the series, but it was kind of the unraveling of that series because they went to that move too early and they tried to do the goalie platoon thing with Drieger, and it and it doesn't work in the playoffs. You needed to have a guy in Never stick. does. And now, you yes, there are questions about Spencer Knight, but I'm not too worried about what they do with Knight because, firstly, he has Game 5 against the Lightning, and that will be in our minds, and we know he's capable of that. We know that the potential is there. <laughs> I think what's, what's fascinating about Knight is, is just how do they balance when he plays in the NHL and when he plays in the AHL? Because they now have their own AHL affiliate again. Yes, they're sharing space with Seattle, and that's why the number of NHL contracts are much lower than they'd have normally. But they have their own AHL affiliate again, which definitely matters. And with Knight, they can get him 20 to 30 in the AHL if needed. And if he doesn't go to the Olympics, he'll play a bunch in the AHL this year in Charlotte. And I hope you know that that's a place where he just gets games. Because what right. is best for Spencer Knight is not to sit behind Sergei Bobrovsky. He's going to get his 20 to 30 games where I have you, and he's going to look like the guy with the potential we know he has. But they, the getting him those games in the AHL is critical just to get him some rhythm, to get him some confidence, and get him established. Because the other goal that they need to have, by the time we get to May, is 
who is the guy that we are starting in game one and we're going to ride with unless all hell breaks loose? Because last year they didn't have that, and that's what cost them in the Lightning series. They won two games, then they used three goalies, which is ridiculous, and you should never have that in the playoffs. If they have questions about their goaltending come the end of April, that's a problem, and that is a huge issue when you go into a series against whoever you're yeah. going to play in the playoffs. And, and that would be... And that would be on the goaltending department of excellence or whatever they're called. If, at that point, if they can't don't have it figured out come playoff time, you know, at that point, it's on them. Because yes. uh, I, I think that they're going into a season where they have three goalies and in, in good. You have a, a vet who can reclaim, you know, his pedigree and potential and get back up to a good enough form to have you win rounds in the playoffs. You have a young goalie who is supposed to be generational, and then you have a serviceable vet, and then you have a roster and pieces where you can add a goalie if need be. So there's no excuse to not have the goaltending this roster needs. And, you know, as much as I love Bobrovsky and I'm not super, you know, out of everybody, I seem to tolerate the contract better. So, you know, but... You know, this year it's about winning. It's about winning in the playoffs. So I don't really care what who the goalie is. I don't care if they trade back for Chris Dreger. I don't care. They need to win. Yeah. So you're, but, you're right. And you know, and, and I don't. I don't this? think that's going to be the issue. I mean, I think the goaltending is going to be fine. I think Bobrovsky is going to rise to the occasion. I think Knight's going to challenge him. And like you, I hope he gets 65, 70 games between the NHL and AHL this year, as many as they think, you know, he physically can handle, um, that would be awesome. And I just think that the more confidence you can give both, the better. Because if Bobrovsky and Gibson are to get now Gibson's yeah. cleared waivers so he can go up and down, I think. And Yeah, and, and I mean and the thing is like, you know, Charlotte's on the other side of Broward County, so <laughs> Well, in comparison to Springfield and Syracuse, yes. <laughs> like, they actually have a close AHL affiliate now, which is kind of nice. And it's in, you know, as somebody mentioned, it is a airline hub. Like, it's very easy to get right. flights from Charlotte to Fort Lauderdale without much of an issue. So that is that is not a problem anymore. Like, Springfield and they had an AHL affiliate in Portland in the right. past. Those were cumbersome. They're, it's not, like, the Panthers are not going to be the franchise that buys their AHL affiliate and puts them wherever they want. That's just not what they're going to do. You know, no, I, I don't not... think they. I don't think you necessarily need them to be closer than Charlotte. I, the 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 Phantoms are two hours or Less. so from Philadelphia. I mean, but like if you think about it, I mean, with traffic, it's like two hours. Well, it feels like it sometimes. You know, you, yes, you gotta, yes. You gotta now we're talking packed, about driving from Philly to Allentown, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what's three and a half hours and going through, you know, uh, an airport, you know, I just don't, I, I think it's, it's close enough. And it's a, it's a market that has had success in the AHL and, you know, they know how to do things there and they have a market there. Well, why bother? Well, also there's the connections with Paul Kropelka who helped run Charlotte when he was with the Hurricanes. And now he knows that organization right. inside and out and is running the Panthers AHL affiliate. So then again, that even adds another layer of yeah. just it being streamlined, which is which is really helpful. So, And that's exactly what Florida needs when they're cutting big bonus checks to Barkov and hopefully Huber. You're Hubert. right about that. You are right about that. And yeah. 
in terms of where I think they're going to finish in the standings, the difference between whoever finishes first in the Atlantic and whoever finishes fourth in the Atlantic is going to be infinitely smaller than whoever finishes fourth and Montreal. So I just want to make that clear when I make these predictions. You could make a convincing argument that the Panthers are going to win this division, and I would buy it because Tampa is not as deep as they once were, and now they're even less deep than I thought. And they're going to have nights this season, the Lightning, not against the Panthers, but they're going to have nights this season Hmm. where it looks like they do not give a crap and they're just not going to try. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's going to be one of those things when you're a good team where you can kind of sleepwalk through the regular season. And there were times last year where Tampa just sleptwalked through the regular season. We were watching those games and you'd see it. And they're going to do that this year. But they're Tampa and they're going to be fine. Boston doesn't have the same kind of depth that they once had, but I'm not betting against the Bruins at this point. And... I, I think their goaltending is going to be fairly good. I'm not saying it's going to be great, but I'm saying that Olmark and Swayman and Tuka Rask, if he eventually wants to come back, it'll be good enough. It'll be fine. Toronto, you know they're going to be good in the regular season. That's always the case. It's the playoffs. And you've been hearing out of Toronto that urgency that they need to show because they're in the Atlantic Division where everybody's pretty good at the top and you have to compete around them. Like It's going to be really hard to tell between them and again you can see what any order anybody is predicting whether it be the models and i've looked all pretty much all of them at this point whether it's reading predictions from you know any number of writers or any number of pundits you can put them in any order you want but i i I think and it's it's fairly as much as i am cynical in the last couple times i predicted the panthers go to the playoffs they didn't make it and anytime i don't predict them to make the playoffs they do it's pretty safe to say they're going to make the playoffs. It's just a matter of where they finish. And I'm also going to make this point Boy, very abundantly clear. Don't root for them to finish fourth because then they play in the Metro. You're asking for trouble in the playoffs. They're going to have to beat the Atlantic teams anyway at some point to get to the Cup. So, again, I, I don't think it matters where they finish. They're going to have a good chance to win the playoffs if they get there. If you're asking right. me what my final prediction is, it's so hard, right? As I said, between the first and fourth, you could put them anywhere. And here, I think here's, a lot of here's my, I'll, I'll, I'll do the predictions for you then. Uh, I, they should come first or second in the division. I think they come third though, and I think okay. that they play. And I think they play Toronto, who comes second. If you're going to ask Tampa's me where my still... predictions is, I'm going to have Toronto first because they always do well in the regular season, barely above Tampa, who is barely above Boston, who is barely above Florida. Like, I'm, I'm talking the difference between Tampa, the difference between Toronto and Florida could be like five points. I'm predicting we get a 2-3 Toronto matchup where we bring down the Toronto front office and core. I feel bad in some way with that series. Predicting. I joked about it. But I'm going to say this. If there are any Leafs fans listening to this, um, I want to br- I want to bring this up. <laughs> like... Like that is isn't Tampa, every Florida hockey is the fan we all want. I mean, like you could talk about Toronto beating Boston for demons' sake or what have you, but the real series you should be afraid of is if you lose to Florida, who has a longer playoff series win drought than you do. Right. That would be yep. the one that would bring the house down. And I would yep. feel bad because there are a lot of good people that work for the Leafs, and I admire a lot of what they do, and. That would be the one that the House of Cards comes down. Right. And, and I would feel really bad if it happened 
in Florida with a lot of transplants already there for the summer. I oh, would but, really... but I don't even think the transplants would be there. Like that's that's the other funny thing. Like I don't even think the transplants would. They be would there. come for a hot a playoff hockey game. Well, they would be. Some of them would be there, but I think the Panthers, if they're as good as we think they are, the Panthers are not going to have too many issues selling out the selling out the rink. Uh, I do want to mention on a Leafs quest on a Leafs point tangentially. Uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. I should have mentioned in the Barkoff discussion earlier. I want to mention our friend Paige, Why Hockey's great friend Paige, who is awesome, as you know. All of you know that. Um, she has told us stories about driving around young Sasha Barkoff because she was around the Panthers when they drafted him. And, I mean, if you think we love Sasha Barkoff, she loves him even more. And I, after the contract was signed, I, I, ma- I sent her a message. And, like, I, I think she's so very happy. Like, Again, we know what happens when, when we talk to people who, you know, have been around that team, aren't around them anymore. But I think her love for Sasha Barkov is stronger than that. And so I wanted to shout her out. And, like, for people like that who helped develop Sasha Barkov into what he is now, you know, I think they deserve credit. I had to shout her out because I know I, I'd, be, I'd be really, really – I feel bad if we didn't do that. Uh, and the other thing I want to say is for all that we've talked about Dale Talon in a negative context for years – that 2013 decision, and you could argue his hand was forced, and that's what the rumors are, because the team was being uh, in the process of being sold at that time and had no money to sign free agents, and they drafted Barkov. Rumor has it because they wanted somebody who could play right away and improve the lineup, and they couldn't do that through free agency. That ended up being the best decision in franchise history, because you can look at what would have happened if they drafted Seth Jones or Jonathan Duran. The franchise's history would be pretty different if they didn't have Sasha Barkov, and Quite possibly because they had cheapskate owners and at the time, and they were in the process of being sold. That's why they have Sasha Barkov, and that's why the Panthers are where they are now. And it's crazy to think about that, but it's true. So I wanted to mention that quite briefly. Um, and I think that that's pretty much it with the Panthers. I wanted to... Well, I wanted, one... I wanted to kind of... Uh, I'm just thinking about Ole Olivi again and just how, um, you know, I'm just... I went down the rabbit hole and, you know, obviously went on YouTube and, and watched all the uh, old highlight packages that were still up from his time with the London Knights and TPS. And, you know, I, I just, we, and I was then looked up, you know, my, where we had him ranked and stuff and our stuff and which was, you know, first defenseman, I think fourth overall, um, you know, and it doesn't feel like, it's a bust, you know, like it was at the time it was warranted because London Knights, they developed players. He, you know, he came from Jokerit, uh, in Finland and came up through that system and they have a great reputation with players. He's tall. He skates really well. He makes great passes. Uh, and you know, I, it's, it's maybe it doesn't pan out. But I, if it does, I think that this is an actual player who, like Forsling, can find, you know, be a part of the core. And, you know, I'm really trying to hold back and not get too excited about You're trying about to will this into him. existence. And I understand. But, we have a brand here at Y Hockey. One of them is we love Finnish hockey players. That's one of the but things. But, I mean, it, it's not just that. I mean, it, they're... There was reason, you know, he had a great draft year in London. He, you know, he has the right traits and and everything. He fits, you know, 
his weaknesses are like, you know, defending off the rush. Well, that was kind of Montour's and Nunavara's weaknesses a bit too. But then they come into Florida and they have an article written about how they're unique defending off the rush, you know, in Florida and that pair specifically is really working at the time and helping them transition the puck into offense quicker. And I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm really digging that, that pickup. And I just, I, I think, you know, it, it's going to have some, some good long-term positives. And it might not be this year that they really pan out. Um, but, you know, this is somebody with the mentality that can play, you know, with a Uyghur, with an Ekblad, um, with, you know, some with a top four type defenseman and, and play 20, 20 minutes and, well, you know, well, the handle both is, ends it, of the ice. Well, the great news about this pickup is if it goes well, we get to watch everyone in Vancouver lose their mind over it. And that oh, yeah. is always entertaining. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, yeah. just to, just the idea of listening to somebody in Vancouver yell and scream because Yuri Levy's doing really well in Florida is one of those things. I'm like, boy, that used to be the Panthers on the other side of it, and now it's not. And I and the last Panthers question before we talk about Flyers and some other things around the league is what what do you expect from Lindell? Because we didn't see him a lot in the preseason because he was hurt. And the reports are from the two games against Tampa that he played that there are a lot of positives there. And we obviously, you know, you love him. It was the first universally beloved Panthers first round pick in perhaps ever, other than maybe Barkov. But that was, again, hindsight. What what do we expect from him this year? Because I maintain he has a better chance of winning the Calder this year from the Panthers than than Spencer Knight does. Because at any point, (laughs) if he starts playing in the top six, his numbers are going to go through the roof. And that's all numbers. And we know he has every single bit of talent he has a coach that he knows on the bench he's living with Sasha Barkov it's just it's it's a match made in heaven so what do you think is the reasonable expectation for him this year because it's it's kind of hard to know like he could still play in Charlotte at times yeah it's not points points based or or anything like that I mean to me the big key metrics are is he playing at least you know 13 13 minutes a night in the NHL. If he's not getting that, uh, you know, you really have to start thinking about what other options you have. You know, can you give him 20 some minutes in the AHL? What can you do? Because that's a big thing is you need him playing and putting and continuing to put up points. That's what you need him doing. So hopefully that's as a third line center. Hopefully that's as a third line right winger or a top six winger. Or even a top or a second line center, depend for a little bit. If there's injuries or suspensions, you know, given Bennett, that could be both. Um, <laughs> you're, so you're definitely right about that. And you know, so I, my expectations are that he's given a chance to get as much ice time and reps as possible in practice and in games, whether that's NHL or AHL. Uh, and the main reason is. You know, I saw him in preseason, and he finds soft spots on the ice really well. He always has his stick down. He was battling in front of the net. He was beating vets, you know, in front of the net. You could argue some of them aren't going all the way yet, yada, yada. But, you know, he is a coach's dream when it comes to that stuff. Like, he's part Blake Coleman, 
you know, when it, when it comes to that stuff. He does all that stuff. He has great hand-eye. So he's going to get those tip goals and rebound goals off the goalie's pads that just kick out because he's in the right spot with his stick down and he, you know, is bearing down eye on the puck and he, he, he puts it in the net. But he's also is starting to grow those soft twitch skills, those finesse skills that people didn't really think he had in the draft. But I'm seeing them more and more. You obviously saw it in Liga in Finland last year uh, and some of the team t- tournaments with Finland. But, you know, in the preseason, I started to see him, instead of just doing his usual puck protection, go around the outside or, you know, try to cut, throw his shoulder in and cut in, I saw him trying to set up a defenseman for a move where he can make a move and then pass off to a guy or try to, you know, open up a seam by moving defensemen out of the way in these higher-end creativity plays. And that's what they really need him to do because Bennett's not always going to be a 2C level. You know, like, they need to start thinking about that next wave of guys uh, who are going to hit that prime in, in, in a couple of years to sustain whatever this core accomplishes now. And to do that, they need to make sure that Lundell continues developing those high-end offensive traits and tools and instincts uh, because at this age, that's when it comes the quickest and, st- and really makes an impact. You know, trying to do that, you know, what at the age of Yule Levy, 23 right now, you know, or 21, 22, like it's harder as they get older to develop those traits to really exponentially grow in certain areas. Um, and as we've seen, those high-end offensive traits are the hardest to find and get in the NHL if you don't draft them. I think that there's every reason to believe that he's going to be good. I, but, and of here's course, the other thing. He doesn't need to be great. Because in the past, no. these players would show up in Florida, They would, and they'd be, you'd have to have them be great. Yeah. He if, he, if, he, if he comes out with you know, 14 minutes a night, Play some power play, play some penalty kill. You know, plays a lot more penalty kill than power play. But 15 goals or, you know, 15 goals and 30 assists or something like that, that's a great year for him. That's, you know, way over what he should be doing as a third-line center. You know, all he needs to do is basically match what Wenberg did last year. Can he do that? Yeah. Hell yeah. Can he do better I... than that? Probably. If he if he's on the right side of the puck most of the time, he's in a he's in a system where that's going to help him. You know where the system is going to be set up to a lot of his skills. He's got players to learn from. He's protected in the lineup because he's got so many guys in front of him who can do the dirty work. He's going to get easier assignments because he's again playing third fourth line ish. You know he doesn't have to be the guy, and he he could even be on maybe quote unquote the Tippett path, which is it took a lot longer for Owen Tippett to develop and. Boy, he is playing some some good hockey, man. That that yeah. was found money too, and I'm I'm so happy for him. Hopefully, and, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, it continues, I mean, man. I I want it to work out. I I want him to develop into that, you know, jersey flapping guy who's either you know his jersey's flapping because he's coming in the forecheck to 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 hit the defender and win back the puck, or he's coming down to just you know snap off a goal. Because he's he's been doing both, and it, both are needed. And they need a guy who can do, um, you know, a little more than just shoot the puck. Um, and, and I think 
seeing his playmaking and his off the puck movements and stuff, he's starting to figure out timing and pacing and stuff at the NHL level. And hopefully he can, you know, figure it out over the stretch of a regular season because it kind of ebbs and flows. So uh, I'm excited to see how long that goes because if you, we were talking about that lineup, his spot is really what unlocks that deep third and fourth line because he's able to get up and play with Huberto and Bennett and they still are a, you know, a one B type caliber line. And you know, that's what they need. It is amazing that this is what yeah. 70 minutes and it's basically been all positives. I, I can't believe. Yeah. That. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll save, like I said, I'll, I'll save the, this, the Panthers earned, earned me waiting 20, 25 games before I, I really start, but you know, listen, we're going to see I, I Mason Marchman on the top line at some point, and we're going to be. Oh God, no, we won't. No, we won't. No, we won't. Uh, well, don't say that. Don't. Okay. I mean, we might see him on the second line or a third line or something like that. But don't you, don't you put that. Don't, don't you put speak that the evil the into the world. Um, so, I think, I think that's about as comprehensive yeah, a Panthers preview as we can get. Let's shift gears the to your, the other team. The shoe's on the other foot now. Um, yeah, I, so the, I've been the, trying to figure out the, the Metro Division, and I want to give you your chance to speak your piece on this because they're, I still they're looking for the happy out. accident, man. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for the happy accident to convince Giroud to sign another contract to not get it traded at the deadline to keep the band together. Av's trying to keep his job. Fletcher's trying to keep his job. Uh, you know, Hayes is trying to prove something. You know, Yandel's trying to prove something, but you know this is a this is a narrative team. This isn't a team like Florida where they're coming in on paper a competitor. There's they've showed some signs in the in the past of being that. You know, you look at their improvements. You know, this is a team where there's a lot of holes. There's you know their decor is. I mean, Florida has a better decor now. Not that's, great that's considering considering the drafting Hexall did on defense. You know, that's not ideal. Um, the forward group, you know, they have solid depth on the wing. They have some good centers, but you know, with that Hayes injury, with Frost getting sent down, they're over relying on replacement level centers like Florida did last year. You know, not like Florida now. And in a division where anything can happen, you know, I would rather be in the Atlantic, even if I had a team like Philadelphia, because at least I know where I'm going to pick up points, where I'm not going to pick up points. I can, you know, you know who your competition is and who isn't. In the the Flyers division, everybody's kind of, roughly the same and you every night you got to bring it every night's going to be a slug everybody is that wild card competition pretty much and you know that's good and it's bad but it's definitely tough on a team over 82 games and i i just i don't see it with this lineup man like i want to i'm looking at it through the eyes of what's best for claude Giroux, and honestly if he had known there was going to be a Hayes injury, would he have asked out over the offseason? Maybe, probably. I mean, because it's not, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like a, 
like I'm down in the dumps or anything, but Hart's looked better-ish. Martin Jones has looked like Martin Jones. Uh, Provorov has looked solid enough. Uh, you know, Risto's been okay. I, I just, I, you know, there's no, you know, nothing's really. I, I think one of the things in this Metro division, or perhaps in a league that's in a cap, we're in a cap league, and you can't buy your way out of issues, is not what your biggest strengths are, but what are your biggest weaknesses? What are your biggest weaknesses, and what is the fatal flaw? And for and, the and Flyers, for the... I think they have too many that are could be like possibly fatal flaws. And I think that this team being good is not out of the realm of possibility. But when I look at some of the other teams in this division, don't you go in there and go, I see fewer flaws here. Fewer that can make right. you go, they're going to go on a ship. run that kills their season. Yeah, they're going to go on a run that kills their season. Now, I think that this season is... You know, interesting because the Penguins have a billion injuries right now, as they always do. They seem to overcome it, but, you know, one of the things you're hoping for as a Flyers fan is one of the Capitals or Penguins to have a Sharks-like collapse. Just the bottom falls out and they can't get it back. Now, I wouldn't want to bet on that because I would never want to bet on one of those two teams failing. But you're betting on one of those teams failing. You're betting on the Rangers having red-pilled themselves into being a worse team, which... I guess you could you could think that because they probably did. I mean, if they just kept everything pretty much as is, I would have predicted them top two in the division probably. But they are but they went out and arguably made their team worse because they hate Tom Wilson. It's so annoying. And I and I love Gerard Gallant, right? And I love Adam Fox. He's so much. Yeah, fun to but Panarin. We hate so, the Rangers, so you know it well, kind of okay. levels out. You might hate the Rangers. I still I have a semi soft. I'm not going to say Worst that team. I like them, but when you co- I come, my dad was a diehard Rangers fan, so I can't Ugh. have it in my heart to. That's just Ugh. who he was. I can't have it in my heart to hate them, and I won't. But you have the the Hurricanes, who have one of the deepest forwards groups, if not the deepest forwards group in the league, but willingly made their defense core worse, and they made it worse. And that's not Tony D'Angelo. That's just they made it worse. And their goaltending is a huge question mark, and I don't have any confidence in it. I have them confidence in them being yep. extremely deep, but yep. like they have questions. The Islanders are the Islanders. They're always going to do what they do. But there are two things that worry me with that team. The first of which is they start the year in a 13-game road trip, and that's a big hole to dig out of. Those sickos are going to turn it into some positive. Watch. <laughs> oh, I know. I understand that. And that's not just— Zach Freeze you know, is going to have eight goals or something. Oh, it will be a very—and Zidane Chara will look like he was Zidane Chara from 10 years ago or something like that. But— the other thing that I worry about with the Islanders is their style in the regular season sometimes costs them big. We remember that right before the, uh, the the world went to hell in 2020, they were really bad. They sucked, and they got bailed out, which is the wrong term to use, but you know, in a very very you know technical way, they got bailed out by a really well timed break in play even though the pandemic sucks and obviously is not good. But last year they had times in the regular season where they looked like total junk. You know, that style is regular season can be a problem because if you get into a funk, it's not like you can score your way out of it. You know, the famous quote is it's three, two league and the Islanders are great exemplars of that. But that team's also a little weaker than they have been in recent years, a little bit weaker. They're not as deep. They're a little older. So 
I have questions about the Islanders too. Yeah. And, I mean, it, you know, the, the if when you're talking about the division, Flyers, I mean, every time every time you talked about a team, the first thing you did was describe them. Like, you know, you 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 put the the general manager's philosophy in an identity and you labeled it. You you go to the Flyers and what are they? They're the ragtag ex-ranger vet team you know it's one last heist sort of you know type of vibe and what what's their identity they're not they're definitely not broad street bullies they definitely aren't you know the 2000 they don't have an identity like any of the tap teams in the atlantic do you know yeah i mean the funny guys like what 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 is their the x-rangers like what are what is their identity, their identity is keith yandel saying thank you to carter hart for covering up a puck it's yeah i mean is, their is, are, are they trying to distill gritty into everything they do now like the social media like what are they trying to do i don't uh, so what they do on the ice i have no idea they could easily win the division i mean and they could finish it'd be, it'd be great to get the Derek broussard who was goosed in new york enough to warrant uh, Mika Sabinajad in the trade. That would be great. If we could get that Eric Broussard back, if Scotty Lawton would put in, you know, some work, Oscar Lindbaugh gets winning, back. Selkie winning Couturier. You know, I, I, there's a, I love the Flyers. I want them to do well. I need them to win a series in the playoffs this year. Um, but I, I don't know how much trust I have in, again, Vigneault and Yandel and Hart and Ristolainen and, you know, Broussard. In the center, I mean, center is the most important position. I'm looking up and down. Only Couturier is the only one that's in even remotely close to the right role. Broussard's 2C, that's way too high. 3C in this at his age in this NHL is probably too high for him. So, uh, you know, Lawton has a 3C. That's way too high. Nate Thompson. I mean, it, it. hopefully it works. Hopefully they can grind it out. They find their identity. And they show us how stupid we are for, for even doubting them. Uh, and hopefully Cam Atkinson can put up 40 or something because they'll, they'll need it. There's just nothing that really stands out as a strength. They seem average to a, a a little above average in in every aspect as far as depth offense defense goaltending and that's using you know the optimistic carter hart i don't think it is possible i, I i'm gonna hedge here i <laughs> hope it's not as possible that he's as bad as he was last year i think right. the pandemic can really screw you up and it clearly did for him and i'm willing to throw it in the garbage because it was the pandemic I hope that's what I'm about to say, because I obviously you know he has the tools. He can be successful, and if is if he's good, then a lot of the things the Flyers did looked infinitely better. But you just have, but I I think there's a lot of, as we talked about earlier, a lot a lot of wish casting, right? Don't you think that there's a lot of wish casting in here? Like I wish this is going to happen, as opposed to you know with some good teams like I know this is going to happen, or I'm fairly confident this is going to happen. You know, that to me is, that's why if I'm looking at this division, I'm not going to put them, you know, barely above New Jersey or Columbus. 
it's hard because anybody from one to six could finish in any order. But right, if you're thinking about it right now, if I'm going through my order, I'm like, I, I gotta put him in fifth. Like, I, I would have him above the Rangers because I hate what the Rangers did this offseason so much that it is probably <laughs> coloring my perception of this team far beyond where it should. But and I'm also not going to be the one that bets on the Capitals or Penguins collapsing because I don't think that that's going to happen. Not yet, I don't think. It's not like the Sharks, where they had a myriad of reasons right. to think that that was going to happen, that signs were there. Like, the, I don't think that's going to happen yet. But, like, can the Flyers make the playoffs? Sure. I, I think no that they're a wild-card team. I, I think that they they they, stop, they they pull off enough highs. So you they would be fourth in the, in the Metro, then, basically, is what you're saying. Because yeah. the fourth-place team in the Atlantic is going to be the first wild-card, doesn't matter who it is. And so the fourth place team in the Metro could be wild card too. Cause I think, I think that whoever that fourth place team in the Metro is, is going to be better than Montreal. Montreal has had some of it of their own doing a very bad off season and Carey Price. I hope whatever has ailing him, he gets his mental health right. And that's, we wish the best for him, but they're not going to have him for a while. They're not going to have Shea Weber. They're not going to have Paul Byron. Mm-hmm. They've got questions everywhere. That team is, the, you know what that team is? That team is the pre-Bill Zito Florida Panthers. They're an 86-point team where you don't quite know if they're good or bad. That's what the, that's what Montreal is. I think you could argue sixth place in the Metro is better than Montreal. Well, I might not they, say that. They definitely have the, uh, they at the trade deadline, they seem to get all the guys that Florida seemed to get in free agency. So. <laughs> Yeah, kind kind of like kind of like that. I mean, I, I I there are reasons to think that that team can be good, but I I can't see it. Last year's run was a fluke. You can see flukes when they're coming, right? And that that yeah, kind of that felt that felt very Florida Panthers winning the division in 2016 esque. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what happens in the Pacific. I think Seattle. Ah, we haven't gonna... we haven't yet mentioned the West, and I think we should say yes. We will talk about them shortly. Uh, the well, other team that we we like here on why hockey is colorado for obvious reasons i mean everybody should like the ads they're fun as hell um, i'm i'm i really think that they have a strong shot to win it um but i do think that they've lost a bit too we've talked about some of these other teams like tampa that have lost a bit obviously it makes more sense that tampa's lost a bit after winning uh and winning multiple times Colorado, you know, they lost some of that forward depth. They, you know, I don't know if their goaltending is better or worse or what, it, but, you know, there's some changes there. They they lost their goaltender. Um, and I, I'm interested to see how much positive impact the young guys can have and if they can be competitive enough down the stretch and in the playoffs to get them to the third round, that fourth round, because it can't be two and done. Cannot no, be two and done. No, you're you're right. Like because you will team, see changes if it is for sure. Yes, because I mean, like you think about that Colorado team. Like you re- remember their arc. They were the worst team in the league by far in sixteen seventeen. They were garbage. Then the following year, they made the playoffs. Nobody thought they were gonna, and they lost to a very good Nashville team. Then the next three years, it was all. Second round game seven. Second round game seven. Second round game six. Now, second round game seven and 19, not a huge deal. Like, there was, I guess, some issues in that series that they had. But it wasn't as if, like, I'm going, okay, they had to win then. 2020, they had everything go against them. The goaltending injuries, what have you. You can kind of throw it out. Last year, you have to beat Vegas in that series. They had a 2-0 lead and they didn't do it. Yeah. Or, 
and and they just they didn't do it. And now they don't have Don Squoy. They don't have some of that depth. I mean, Ryan Graves is what he was, and they lost Grubauer because they played a little too much hardball with him, and they ended up having to give up things that you don't want to give up. Now they do have. You know, they, they still have Kale McCarr and, and Landis Cog and, and McKinnon and Rand. They're, they're pretty damn good. And, I mean, you see some of the models predicting them. Regular season, I got no issues with them. It's what happens when they get up against it in the playoffs. Now, the thing that I think that will be very good for them is they don't have to play Vegas in the second round, more than likely. They'll have to play a team in the Central, and there are questions in the Central. Um, I think they're going to get more out of Bowen Byram and Alex Newhook, and I think Ryan Murray signing is good for them. They're going to be fine, but this is another one of those put-up-or-shut-up type years. I don't think the GM's going to go, but they will definitely have a new coach if they don't get past the second round. But, again, they're going to be fine. And you know the other great thing that we have? Is you get Avs-Panthers in October this year. Like, come on. Like, who doesn't want to sit down and go, I'm going to watch the hell out of that because that's going to be just just great fun. And, you know, maybe maybe uh, this is a little bit of hyperbole, but don't you think the Panthers kind of start to remind you in many ways of, like, East Coast Avs? Like, I'm not saying I, that it's the I same build, but I they, hope, pl- they I play hope, very similar styles. I, I hope that they – I mean, not to get too much back on the Panthers, but one of the things I'm hoping for this season is they start – they do dial the running gun back a, a little bit um, just to improve some of their team play and, and to, you know, strengthen that heading into the playoffs. So, you know, because I think that that is one of the reasons they, they couldn't get past – Vegas was, you know, Colorado couldn't uh, couldn't do couldn't outrun and gun Vegas, then couldn't do anything else, and they they kind of felt a little lost then. Um, and I think, you know, Colorado, I'm hoping this year will will find a, a way to play a little more east to west, slow it down a bit, and not have to do you know, wind Nate McKinnon up or wind McCarr up to to uh, to pump in a lot of goals or to change momentum in a game. Um, I, I think, and they have the ability and they have the depth depth to to do it elsewise. So I think that they will. And similar similar to the Panthers, you know, Barkov isn't a McKinnon. Um, I think a lot of their players are great skaters and everything, and some of them are quick, but. You know, I, a little more measured puck control and a little less running guns going to uh, keep Bobrovsky and Knight a little more insulated and keep them from being exposed. And, and over and the with course, Devin Dubnik too, I think. With yeah. The I have no yeah. doubt that they're going to win the division running away, but y- you kind of want them to figure out another way to play in the playoffs because, you know, I, I think the Avs, you saw it against Vegas. Vegas gummed it up. And they weren't quite ready to deal with Vegas gumming it up, even yeah. though. But they should have another been thing is, like, you know, do you need, do you always need to run and gun the regular season, or can you, you know, ease off the gas a little bit? And it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, you don't need to. I don't think. You, you know, as McCarr and and McKinnon and stuff, you know, start to mature and. and their games and stuff, I think that they're going to learn a little bit more about, you know, it's work smarter, not just harder. Not that or, they're not working smart. I, or you know, whatever what do I know? But... diet tells him to do with all those crazy <laughs> diet stories. Those were hilarious, by the way. I have, I got a great kick out of that. Uh, rest of the central, just briefly. Um, I, whatever. I, I th- 
Yeah, Chicago, like, whatever. So. I'm not sure that they're making the playoffs. I don't. I don't buy it. I. I don't. I don't buy that. I. I. I think. It's, I don't think Flurry's winning the Vesna again. So no. I don't think he's winning the Vesna either. Also, the Blackhawks are terrible defensively. Like they stink, and we saw that last year when there were games against the Panthers in in the Central Division where the Panthers just boat raced them. Just it looked like they were playing two separate games, and I'm not sure that team is capable of doing. Now, they're going to have Taves back. That's good. I am rooting for Henrik Borgstrom to succeed. I hope he plays well. He's got he a few it. preseason goals. Yeah, he has scored a few preseason goals. I'm happy for him. I'm not I'm not rooting against the you know, Riley yeah. Stilford's playing because they had some injuries. Like, they're not going to be bad, but I'm not sure they're playoff good. Um, Minnesota is waiting for the buyout cap crunch, but, I mean, they'll have Kaprizov, so they're going to be fun to watch every night. They feel like the second-best team in the division, but I'm not sure they're great. They're good. Um, they gave Vegas a scare last year, and that's a credit to them. You know, Winnipeg's more balanced, and they have one of the best goalies in the league. So I don't think there's much issue with them as a playoff team. I think we're underrated. I think a lot of people are underrating Dallas because last year was literally an Anis Horribilis, which is Latin for horrible year. And, like, everything that could go wrong went wrong, and they almost made the playoffs anyway. If they even get a remote amount of health this year, and they still do the things that they do really well, which is they grind you... They're very annoying. They're tough defensively. I think they can make the playoffs. And I think St. Louis is also in that boat, although they're not quite as good. If I'm going, I, I would have uh, I have Colorado, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Dallas, St. Louis is how I would have it, then Chicago. Nashville will not be good until Luke Prokop's there because the gay agenda dictates that. And the Coyotes are fun to watch because they are executing an amazing tank. And it's a question of whose tanking is better, Arizona or Buffalo. And I will say Arizona's will look better because they have better uniforms. So go Coyotes for being in the Kachina uniforms. Now, if now I, I maybe I'm gonna have to be talked out of this. Like I, I've been very tempted to buy a Chikrin Kachina jersey. I have because I mean I love Jacob Chikrin. One day maybe he plays at home in South Florida because his home is actually South Florida. And well, until then maybe I have to buy a Kachina Chikrin jersey because that would be just beautiful. I don't want to jinx yeah. him, though, because I love Jake. Uh, Jacob Trickard's a hell of a hockey player, and I'm glad that there's something to build around in Arizona. They have some things that you can be uh, optimistic about. I mean, they're going to be terrible, but they have some things to be optimistic about, and they're going to at least look good doing it because they have their correct uniforms again. And having the correct uniforms is very important. Now, in the Pacific, Vegas is going to win the division going away. Do you not find it hilarious that Evgeny Dadnoff is now a Vegas Golden Knight after all the things we said about Evgeny Dadnoff being better than Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault? Like, I find that just a, a very funny bookend to this story. As the Panthers get good, the the talk that we had about Evgeny Dadnoff being great, and again, a lot of it might have been the product of being on Barkov and Huberto's wing, uh, he is now playing in Vegas. I think the Golden Knights are going to be fine. I credit to Robin Leonard, though, for speaking out against the ills of the National Hockey League. I always admire him doing it. Maybe maybe not necessarily in a tweet storm, but I will always appreciate somebody being frank about a, the problem. A somewhat, a somewhat misdirecting tweet storm. So, I mean, sometimes, it, we, sometimes we tweet through it, and we don't... Yeah. I don't want to say mean what we say, because that's wrong, but sometimes we lose... I don't want to say lose the plot, because that's also implying something that's not true with Robin Leonard. Sometimes the message can get lost. Sometimes the message could get lost in the messenger, and sometimes the message could get lost in the form in which we put out our message. I think it's kind of important to, to, to say that. Like, again, what Robin Leonard said yes. is correct. There are issues in the league, and I'm glad he's pointing it out, and I hope his work is getting 
change applied in this league in a very key spot. Now, again, I hope he succeeds because he's a great goalie and he is a guy who has overcome so much to get to this point. He deserves it. They're going to be really good in the regular season as they always are. They too have questions about winning in the playoffs because they have found ways to screw up winnable playoff series in the last couple of years. And they too are on the, you know, the Colorado track of like, you, you have to win. And the good news is for them is I think they probably are going to, but we will see. Um, the rest of that division, I think Edmonton's going to be second because they just have better talent than everybody else. And the, I like the forward depth is just much better than it's been. That defense score is a disaster. But, you know, I think they've got too much talent to, you know, to just – they're not going to get brought down by it in the Pacific. If they were in a better division, I could argue it, but I can't. And now we have the Seattle's Kraken with Y Hockey former guest Allison Lucan doing the intermissions. That is an incredible sight to see, and we love Allison. Um, so great credit to her. They're doing some great things out in Seattle. Um, yeah, Kraken, got, Kraken seem pretty cool. So um, the, they're the they're one of the are we, only are we teams. The uniforms? I, I think about. the white uniforms look better than the than the than the deep blue ones. I think the white think, uniforms look pretty good. I like both of them. I mean, yes, I like the white ones better, but I do like white jerseys better for a lot of teams, and I wish that they would s- switch wear up white wearing. Yeah, like I don't think you should you should wear white all the time at home or dark all the time at home. I think there should be a little give and take, a little more. I think fans should be able to see every jersey of the opposing team and every jersey of the home team. I think that's kind of would be cool. Um, but I, I like what Kraken are generally they doing. They just claimed Alex you know, Barry Boulay because, of course, they did. Which that if they good- didn't. If they didn't, I was going to yell at them on this podcast about it. So I'm happy because, you know, if like that's like Tampa usually gets those players through waivers. I think now since they won the Stanley Cup, people are, you know, starting to take guys off waivers. Um, But for me, you know, that's a player. Why not? You know, maybe he's Verhage. Maybe he's Marsha Show. Maybe he's maybe he's Sorelli, maybe he's, you know, his own person, maybe he's not any good at all, but it's free. Um, and that's, you know, they're, they have already a Yanni Gord there, and, you know, they have a lot of these puck possession guys. And, yes, they have some fancy stats, uh, hires and everything like that, but... I, I think it's if we're talking about Pacific Division, and you're trying to figure out how you can get some immediate success while still forming a team and thinking about the future and everything like Seattle's doing, puck possession is a good way to luck into a playoff spot in that uh, division. I don't think it'll be uh, luck. I think they're going to get there because they're genuinely better than everybody else. Now there is luck I, in the fact right, that they're in a yes. bad division, but. Uh, can Dave Haxall coach? But it's it's easier. It's easy. Well, I mean, I think when you ha- if you have the, you know, I think it's not just like the the players that they have are good at puck protection, are good at holding on to the pucks and making plays out of nothing. Are you know they're good at hold, holding on to the puck until the the odds improve or until uh, a home run opportunity presents itself. And that, you know, that's how you rack up points in a weak division. That's how you take advantage of, you know, 
the spot that they're in where, you know, their biggest competition is another expansion team. It's not somebody who's been drafting and developing for decades. It's somebody who's, you know, relatively starting fresh. So, you know, it's not an arms race. It's it's just get out on the ice and grind it out. And, and it, that's is a, what... it is a scene it's not an arms race. Congratulations to a random Fall Out Boy song for reference. I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> um, I, I want to... <laughs> I, I can. <laughs> I, I, I don't even like Fall Out Boy that much, man. But I just made a reference to that song because hey, I guess the songs that were popular when you were middle school never go for sure. Oh, mm. boy. Uh, I like that defense core. I really do. I think that defense core is think, good. It, do, it doesn't mean, have you any know, game you know, breakers, we were, but it's good. But we were talking about how you know we would want Vince Dunn on our team and, and yada yada. I think he's going to have a good opportunity. You know, there's a lot of players who are going who were good in middle six or you know middle pair roles that or or you know have that talent that are going to get a little elevated opportunity and if half of them pan out you get a Vegas situation i mean it's not it's not like everybody Vegas took like worked out and stuff it's just that some of the guys they took, like Shea Theodore, when they were given the opportunity it, it, oh yeah it, it turns out he was what they said he was you know and if you can, you know, Alex Tuck, same like that. So if you can get that out of, you know, a couple guys and then you get a couple people like Wenberg and somebody else to just live up enough to their billing, that's playoff spots a couple years in a row probably. I, I'm rooting for I'm rooting for Wenberg. I, I'm rooting for Jared McCann too. Oh, I think yeah. yeah, I mean give give him the chance. I, mean, I, I it's not I mean, you're looking they're they're more likable to me than Vegas is just branding. Oh, I think I think some of why you don't like Vegas is because of what everyone said about Vegas vis-a-vis the Panthers, which is fine. I completely understand well, that. that that too. But I mean, it's also I don't like that they the 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 high rate of turnover with their per- personnel and stuff in the years and stuff. That's that's been noted by more than just little old you. me. Um, and you know, it's I the. I, but like the branding, like I, I'm not like the Golden Knights, like you know Vegas Golden, like you know I'm not, and I'm not a Vegas guy. I'm not glitz and glamour. I'm not that, you know. So Seattle is more me, you know. Well, um, I, I can say also, I I think that you know I've I've gotten to learn a little bit about Seattle as a sports town. You know, I've got some friends out there. Also, you know, I'm I'm a big soccer guy, so I know what they are as a soccer town. So I think being a good hockey town fits perfectly in that mold out there yeah the, I've and, grown, and i'm I've happy that the, the nhl Golden has Knight. both and i'm happy the nhl has both i and i and i don't want to well they got into vegas like before in everybody Holland. else thought it was cool and yeah. they're also a much more of a vegas team than the raiders are which yeah, is just and that's fact. cool and that's the, cool the, the and i are like a circus that. our traveling yeah. circus the vegas golden knights are actually a vegas team and i mean that's that's the credit for the nhl getting we will criticize the league for a lot of what they do but they got in vegas at the exact right time and they caught lightning in a bottle and created one of the most interesting franchises in the league and the Raiders are not any more or less interesting now that they're in Vegas as opposed to being in Oakland the the Vegas Golden Knights had no business being what they were and they are and that's great credit to them and I think Seattle will be good too um whoever's in fourth in that division I don't think it matters because they're not going to make the playoffs I don't think they're better than Dallas or St. Louis but like to me I Ducks, just trade for Jack Eichel or do something to be interesting because you're not interesting. The Sharks are, you know, falling and they can't get up. They need life alert. Um, the Kings yeah. are interesting in that 
they are trying to win. I'm not sure they're capable of winning right now because, you know, Dowdy and Kopitar want them to win. And that's, and that's I guess there's something to be said. Like, we obviously, you know, they draft and develop pretty well. I mean, Quentin Byfield is hurt. That sucks. But I'm not sure they're there yet. The Flames are a Daryl Sutter team. I don't know what more can be said about that. And the Canucks are, are a <laughs> traveling circus of their own. Um, I, their forward group is is good, but their defense score behind Quinn Hughes is an absolute mess. And yeah, I'm I mean, just, I don't really like anybody in the Pacific that much. I mean, outside I Seattle, I mean, yeah, I mean, like that's what I'm saying. Like, like Vegas, see- Edmonton, Seattle is basically how I have it, and it's like I just can't put anybody else higher. Like yeah, and like, Edmonton's riding on two horse, you know, the two, the strength of two players. I mean, they're riding on the strength of the two of the best players in the league, and that's yeah. fair enough. They are amazing, but that—that's a lot riding on them. It shouldn't—it I mean, shouldn't be enough to guarantee, you know, a non-wild card playoffs. You <laughs> are correct. It should not be enough to guarantee them, and it's going to guarantee them that because nobody else wants it. I—if I had to pick between Calgary, Vancouver, and LA, what team am I most, you know? But do you the, do you? Do you like? Do you blame them for not wanting it? I mean, if you're, if we're talking about, you know, we're back, we're back now to the drafts of qualities where teams are going to be not wanting it on purpose. We're we're back to those days now, I think, uh, because what we have in 2022 and 2023 is if you're bad and you're just in the bottom five, you're walking away with a very good player doesn't matter what about the lottery or this or that you'll take your chances um and that's i don't, I don't it's think interesting. tanking in the nhl like this is different than tanking it, in baseball it's different yeah, than tanking. I, i'm okay with it because it's a way to win and if as long as you have the, the infrastructure in place to make it work once you get those players so you're not doing the process over and over again like the sixers have done where you're just spinning your wheels constantly if you have the tools in place after you get Shane Wright, Connor Bedard, Batman Mitchkoff. Good. Perfectly fine. You just have to have the tools in place. And for some teams, I think the tools could be in place. I think, you know, Arizona has a chance to do that. Maybe. You know, I think Detroit, if yeah. they ended up winning the lottery, would, would be able to do such thing. You know, probably not Buffalo or Anaheim, but we'll see. Um, but for but for other teams, like, I, I asked the question about a team like, you know, the Canucks, as we start to wrap this up, like, what do you want to be? What are you? I guess now you're the Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson team, which is good. You should be that. But what are you going to be beyond that? Are you, what is your style? What are you trying to be? I can't figure that out. And for the Flames, like, I guess they're the Daryl Sutter team. And maybe that works. It did a decade ago. I'm not sure it could work in, you know, the NHL that is faster and is a very different league to when it was a decade ago. I guess that's more of an identity. They've got good players, but again, they have to decide, like, are they sticking or twisting? You know? Unfortunately, all the teams in the Pacific seem to be in that, like, will they, won't they? Well, unless you're Vegas or Edmonton, you have to decide on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, And, you know... I think most of the teams will back into being bad and won't well, and, well, you know, which, well, back into two, rebuilds. Yeah, like one of Vancouver or Calgary is going to have a total cleaning of house after this season. 
I couldn't tell you oh, which. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna get real bad. I I I think that it's it's it, you can pick whichever one you want to pick, but either I, either or the height of the height of Canadian NHL hockey was last year where they had their own division and they got a team all the way to the Stanley Cup. Now it's only going to get worse for a little bit. Well, Maybe I mean, they have well, some Olympic glory. If the Leafs glory. lose to the Panthers in the first round, that's definitely true. Yeah, but um, I mean, yeah, maybe they can have World Junior or Olympic glory and all this stuff. But NHL, I think you know their their teams are going to struggle a bit. I don't like. I'm not excited about a lot of these teams in the Pacific in Canada. You know, Toronto to me is is about they're the best fun because guess. of what could happen if it yeah. goes wrong. I and but like I you think, know. What what's so special about Winnipeg? I don't get it. I don't think the, that they're the going to. The goaltending's good. They they are solid, and they've yeah. got. I mean, they've got players that I like. You know, I, I don't think they're going to be like they're they're good. They're not great, but they're good, and I think that's good enough in the Central. I mean, like to me, I I it's hard to know why these Canadian teams can't ever get out of their own way when teams in the Sun Belt have figured it out. But they're I mean, not all. It, yeah. Um I know I, I and I think you know, you know, maybe it has something to do with the the media bubble they're in, maybe it has something to do um with the expectations of what game style they play. I mean, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, they have a certain respect for older schooled players to put it politely. Um and, you know, they want, you know, 15% of that roster to be block shot plugs and, you know, grinded out toothless grinners. And I don't know if that's really sustainable. And, you know, it's it's basically everybody in Western Canada and the Pacific, I think, is still living in the Todd McClellan Sharks. Daryl Sutter, uh, Kings, and, you know, the Randy Carlisle Ducks Pacific days, you know, when that, you know, grinded out style was was really prevalent and successful. And, you know, it's time to turn over because you have, you know, fast skaters in that in that division. And, you know, they it's gonna eventually catch up and I think through these next year or two it's it's gonna happen because they're just gonna be so bad that they'll get good draft picks and eventually I mean you look at LA, you look at LA, their their draft pool is really good and they get one or two more good players, like top of the end guys like uh Brad Lampert or something like that. They don't even get first overall. Most finished name ever, Brad Lambert. Uh, because yeah. it's related to Lane yeah. Lambert, but who cares? Uh, so do you want to make any cup predictions, or do you want to just save that? Oh, cup predictions. Florida Panthers. Ah, good for you. No, I, no. I, I think, I mean, yes, I'm biased, and I think that the Panthers have a legit shot at, you know, winning the Eastern Conference and appearing in, in the Stanley Cup, you know, how about, whatever. How about the but inverse of, how about 1996, but with I, the exact I, opposite play style? <laughs> I do I do think that they that the, the if I had to bet money, you know, it would be on the lightning. And the biggest issue that you have against the lightning is what teams three peat. It's so hard to three peat, especially in a cap era. Like it's just it seems like stupid money to bet on that. 
But honestly, they have the the experience. They they're not that much worse. They have the best goalie in the world. Um, you know, they have one of the best wingers, one of the best centers. They have you know a lot of good complementary players, and they just the longest tenured coach. They just extended John Cooper. Congratulations to him. Um, well, well, making it's really funny how we joked about how how Vinny Viola really really got jealous of the Lightning. I, he's kind of figuring out a little of that lightning model, but like when you go in a league that's in a cap league, you have to go with who you, who do you trust? Who who do you trust to do the yeah. thing when you have that opportunity? I, and, and I know that the last two seasons were funky and weird, but and I and I and we felt it during the playoffs. It's just like man, that's just Tampa. That's just who they are, and I don't, I'm not gonna not trust them. Yeah, and I mean. Vegas and Colorado out in the West is about the only teams I can really trust to maybe pull it off. Um, and, you know, in the East, I I think it's it's like, you know... Any of the top four in the Atlantic could do it, and the Islanders could do it because they're the Islanders. I think, and they're gonna I think it's even less than that. Playoffs. I think it's even less than that. I think it's like Tampa, Boston, and maybe maybe like a Washington or a Pittsburgh or somebody. And maybe, I don't know, maybe, I don't know why I'm thinking that, but I'm just not really inspired. You know, I think Florida has a real shot because I look around at a lot of teams and they stack up nicely. You know, the the West doesn't really scare me. Um, you know, if they I, can I get out of their the division, if they can get past Tampa Bay, if they can get out of that, I, I like their shot. As I said, and that's what I was saying last year. You know, but. yeah. If the Panthers can beat the Lightning and end their drive to a three-peat, that kickstarts a already ridiculously fun rivalry. To supercharges it, just supercharges it and makes it even better. Um, I was looking at the Athletics NHL predictions, and I think they had only two different teams predicted to win the West was Vegas and Colorado, which is really funny. Neither of them have. But last yeah. year was a bizarro, weird year. And, I mean, there, there are going to be teams that surprise us. That always happens in this league. But, listen, I, I saw people picking the Panthers to win the Stanley Cup. And my last word on this as uh, we wrap this up, but we're going to have so much more to come throughout this, this season, is my focus for the Panthers is do what you need to do in the regular season and win a series. After that, it's a lottery. We'll get to it when we we'll cross that bridge when we get to Process. it. Process. basically the goal. Process, process if it continues to do results. what it does there's no reason to think that they couldn't do it um and again the fact that people were picking the panthers to win the stanley cup not not at a jest legitimately shows you that this team has a has a has yeah. and like wide rating opinion that they could do it and like enjoy this year i mean there, you know I, there's 10 years in this podcast and blog and going back to the zelly pucking days you know, there is a lot of fans who are season ticket holders for one, two decades. There are people who've spent way too many hours, missed, you know, a couple nights at the bars or whatever, or were distracted at the bar because the Panthers were on and stuff for shit games against the Senators in the middle of the week. I mean, there is so much just worthless hockey that we've put up with to get to this point. And try to enjoy it. Like, try to stay in the moment and enjoy the games while they happen. You know, even if it's tense, even if it's anxious, even if you're like, oh, it's harder to watch now because there's something on the line. Try to at least, you know, be present and mindful of, like, 
there's stuff on the line. There's, you know, the Florida Panthers have something on the line this year. And that's, you know, that's awesome. And at a certain point, we have to be realistic. We didn't know if that was something that was ever going to be happening with Barkov on the team. We, there was a, there, there was times where we thought this could be Jay Bowmeister, or this could be Weiss, where they either get so beaten down by Florida that they, you know, plateau and don't become all they're supposed to, or they get run out, or they leave of their own accord because we're not considered winners. Or, you know, it, it's nice that Florida Panthers. This is a year. There's high expectations. They're going to play good hockey. You can enjoy pretty much any number plate on that on that roster, um, and root for them. You know, it, it's a likable team, and it's going to be fun. I mean, it's going to be 82 games of, of fun, and there's. You it's said only best. two days left. I was going to point it out that just sit back and enjoy a team that actually is worth enjoying. Last year was fun because it was found money. But when you root for a team that's really good, and for the Florida Panthers, this is not a team that has burned its bridges in the playoffs yet, like Toronto, where you can't even enjoy that anymore. Right. Or a team like Tampa that has already won, and therefore there is a little of the enjoyment taken out of it because the expectations are you have to win all the time, which is the high-level soccer issue when you root for a big club and they always win. That expectation kind of poisons the well. The Panthers are in that, right now, a sweet spot where you know there is still leeway, but this is a team that is so good for a franchise that has been so bad that it is going to be enjoyable. And if you can go to a game this year and you're willing to put up with people who probably haven't been vaccinated should have been, just go to the games. Because I, I cannot imagine that there aren't going to be nights at the FLA Live Arena. I was going to say the other name was, but it's not that anymore. Uh, that you're just going to go in, there's going to be 18,000, 19,000 people, and it's going to be a ball. I mean, imagine... I love this, and I'll, we'll get out of here on this. The normal Christmas to New Year's stretch, where they always have big teams show up, they get Canadians, Rangers, Lightning, three and four days. You want to go to some hockey games that are going to be fun at that building? Go to any one of those three. The place is going to be bananas. Just absolutely out of its mind. Again, imagine, like, they, they scheduled the Lightning in the middle of that stretch. Like, that's going to be nuts in that building. It was nuts in that building when there were 10,000 people in there for a playoff game. You know, like, I can't wait to see what that atmosphere is like, you know, when we start watching the games. Like, I know that there are going to be games in October on a Tuesday night against the Coyotes when it's not going to have that many people in there. But can, can, can you imagine, like, the opening night games and the first Saturday game... That build's gonna be absolutely nuts. Well, and yeah, and I think I think fun. it's realistic to expect like twelve, thirteen, maybe even fourteen thousand a night instead of nine or ten thousand. Like that would be nice. And I'm, I'm and you know, obviously you might get nine or ten thousand for those Tuesday games against bad teams, but you know, for those Thursday night or Friday night and they have a decent, you know, promo going on. They might hit 13, 14, 15,000, which, you know, is is good. I mean, let's let's be honest, there's a lot of rinks that have only 18,000 seats and don't always fill them up and they're in bigger hockey markets. So, comparatively, it's about the same. And the last thing I'll say Just is looks this is the worse chance. on TV. This is the chance to own this market. Take it by the scruff of the neck. 
The hur- oh, Miami Hurricanes suck. The Miami Dolphins suck, although they will beat the Jaguars on Saturday because the Jaguars are even worse. The Marlins have never been relevant, even though my good buddy Josh is the PA announcer, and I want him to call good games. He can't because it's the Marlins. Maybe next the, year, though. Maybe. Well, probably not. It's the Marlins. <laughs> well. uh, the, the Miami Heat are always going to be there, but in some ways you're not competing with the Heat. You're competing with yourself. And if they can do what I think they can do, and I asked George Richards about this, this is a chance for them to own the market, own it, and take control in a way they haven't done before. And this is this is the best chance they got to do it. I can't wait. So that is this extended Y Hockey season preview. We're going to have plenty of podcasts throughout the year with guests, Tommy and I, with Matt O'Brien. We'll come on at times. We'll be writing on the sub stacks. I can't wait for this season. I have never been more excited about a hockey season in my life. Please don't let us down. Please don't let all this be worth it. But anyway, uh, good night and good hockey.